Hello. On behalf of JP Morgan, a very warm welcome to all our listeners to this latest installment to the Capital Advisory Group podcast series. We know your time is valuable, so thank you for choosing to spend it with us. Today, we're going to be looking at applying machine learning to aspects of ESG, SDG, ESG, and NLP, natural language processing, are perhaps acronyms for a better world. Let's see. Joining me today to discuss are three experts in their respective fields. A representative, if you like, from three stakeholders, an allocator, an investment manager, and an academic. Sounds like the start of a joke, but this is no laughing matter. So let me start by introducing their speakers. So Amir Amelzadeh is an associate professor of accounting at the Said Business School at the University of Oxford. Amir, welcome. Thanks very much. Hi, Kumar. Thank you. My second guest speaker is George Miscelli, who's the CIO of Equity Investments at Panagora Asset Management. George, welcome. Thank you for having me here. Thank you, George. And my third speaker is Michael Weinberg, who is a managing director and head of hedge funds and alternative alpha at APG. Mike, welcome. Thank you. Nice to uh, be on it with you, Kumar, as always. Thank you. So my three speakers have written a paper on this topic, so we feel they're somewhat qualified to debate the issue. So very briefly, against the backdrop of increasing ESG focus, investors are trying to measure multiple dimensions of ESG, especially so when there's no universally agreed ESG reporting standard. ESG ratings companies have been trying to summarize various ESG attributes to one score. It feels like the jury's out in terms of if whether they work, and they have some low correlations between them to support that thought. And the ratings don't look to include sustainability, especially how a company contributes to the UN SDGs, which have become a benchmark against which companies' ESG efforts are being measured. So it'd be interesting to hear from the three of our speakers, again, with their respective expertise and particular field, uh, how they have approached these topics. So Amir, do you want to kick us off and sort of describe what the paper is about and what the genesis was and you know, what you're hoping to do? Well, yeah, sure. Thank you, Kumar. So essentially, as you mentioned, what we try to do is to see whether we can measure what and how companies contribute to the SDGs. And the reason why we do this, so if we think of ESG investing, we often think of ESG issues as kind of a source of risk to portfolios and maybe recently perhaps as a driver of value as well. But there are investors also that want to impart their values into the investment decision. And as you mentioned, uh, ESG scores or the rating agencies, they often don't really measure impact as such, but more about kind of measuring whether a company has policies or certain policies or has certain emissions and so on. So it's a mixture of quantitative and qualitative measures. So, So in a sense, the question that we asked is, how do you know which company in your portfolio is actually contributing to sustainable development? And how can you measure this without engaging several analysts dissecting every company report? So in this paper, we essentially provide the first step at this and try to do this in a scalable manner by employing natural language processing techniques. And we use the UN SDGs, so the Sustainable Development Goals, because they kind of provide us with a broader framework on a series of different sustainability issues. So there's 17 goals, and it's all about um, reducing poverty, education, health, climate action, you name it. And also because 
companies are increasingly mapping their own ESG disclosures towards these SDGs. So they give us a good framework to do this. So now the paper then um, essentially shows how we can use natural language processing techniques to measure companies' alignment with these SDGs in an automated and scalable fashion. Thanks, Amit. So we've got the background. Let's turn to the issue. And Mike, let's start with you. Is what Amit described actually the issue that allocators like you are facing to solve? Absolutely. That's why I thought it was so great to work on this paper with Amir and George, because we're trying to allocate more capital to companies that are contributing materially to, if not entirely, ideally, to the SDIs and less capital to those that are not contributing. To that extent, what we've done is with three design partners, we've formed the uh, SDI AOP, the Social Development Initiative uh, Asset Owner Platform. And that platform does exactly what we espouse in this paper, which is quantify companies' contributions to the SDIs. Well, thanks for that, Mike. George, let me turn to you. So we've heard from kind of Amir then the kind of the, the concept, and then Mike from an allocator's perspective as to what they're trying to do. How does a manager address this and implement this, both historically, I suppose, and then now what's changed for you as a manager to be able to implement these? Yeah, well, I think the goals of asset owners have changed and developed over time, right? So in the past, we service hundreds of very sophisticated, large asset owners around the world, you know, all with their different goals, return obviously being one of them, but also social goals or restrictions uh, based on their their initiatives. You know, historically, I would say it was a, a much more simple event to incorporate their goals into the portfolio, whether it be removing energy or ammunitions or things like that. But as we talk about the SDG, this is the type of thing we see more often from asset owners around the world. There's a non-investment group of people in the organization, not necessarily just thinking about the assets they own, but the goals and missions of the entity on what they want to achieve with outreach or volunteering or other aspects. And it's a, it's a document, you know, written, you know, 20 pages of text about espousing their goals. And then they hand it to the investment team and say, you know, you should do that too with follow these goals in the investment portfolio. But then, you know, when, when we get that document, the question is how do we take a, this document about the organization's goals and, and transform it into hard, concrete constraints we put in an optimization as being a manager? Well, that makes it hard, Amir, for my question next to you, which is we've heard from Mike and, and George, just the, the drivers for both from an investor perspective and, and, and a manager. What's the academic angle here? And why does it interest academia? What does it interest you? The interests in academia, they're not often, not always, but but often aligned with with practice, and and in this case here, as well, which is why we embarked on this on this collaboration. Because, in a sense, I mean, it's from a theoretical standpoint, it's an interesting question how we measure sustainability, right? And uh, you mentioned the deficiencies with scores, and there's other thoughts around what does it mean to have for a company to have a positive or negative impact and how do we actually measure this from their disclosures because this is 
the only thing that we see from an from an outsider. And in academia and in in accounting and finance, we we are very good in measuring financial outcomes. Right. So we have essentially we can use financial disclosures and and financial reports and get a very good understanding of businesses' financial situation. But it, it gets really complicated then with non-financial, so ESG or sustainability-related information. So from an academic standpoint, it's, it's quite interesting to be able to understand what tools we can use to be able to measure positive and negative impact. And this is kind of at, at a higher theoretical level, of course, if you... Um, believe in the power of uh, new technologies, machine learning and natural language processing. So it's quite an interesting problem to apply this to as it's not quite trivial, given that the data is so unstructured in terms of using essentially the, the company's sustainability disclosures as the source, which is predominantly text and maybe some pictures, and try to extract the information from that text to be able then to quantify it in the sense to in the sense that you're able to classify companies into whether they contribute to certain goals or not and you can use sustainable development goals for this but it's you can use other target classifications if you want it so in in short from an academic angle here it's quite interesting to to be able to measure sustainability how can we measure and how can we do this in in a scalable fashion and this is kind of the next step that we would take from here to identify greenwashing in the sense that um, identify companies that might disclose certain activities in a certain way and, and essentially make it difficult from an investment standpoint and an allocator standpoint to understand the true underlying sustainability of these firms. So, And I think natural language processing will get us some way to fulfill that goal, to understand and identify firms on this basis. Yes, I must say, I, I think um, really in tune with that greenwashing point, it kind of helps re- reduce greenwashing because I think, as you say, the integrity of the process should help in terms of identifying where there are instances of greenwashing, which then hopefully will drive, we say, better, better behavior overall in the industry as this is kind of adopted more widely. So, Okay, no, well, th- thank you for that. Well, why don't we pivot now to, we've talked, I think, uh, hopefully listeners have a good idea of the issue and uh, the why of doing this. How are we addressing this? So, Mike, why don't we start with you? You mentioned earlier the work with AOP, Asset Owner Platform. How have you worked with other asset owners on this? Because, as I mentioned, I think what we sometimes observe is it's a fragmented place. We have three stakeholders here, but even within one of the stakeholders, it's a fragmented kind of marketplace. How have you been working with certain asset owners? Yeah, and this ties nicely into the, the, the last discussion on, on avoiding greenwashing. So what we've done with our three uh, design authority partners, PGGM, another large Dutch pension, British Columbian, and Australian super, is um, the four of us have, have created this taxonomy and these rules in terms of classifying companies according to their actual implementation of the SDIs. And those with the least contribution to the SDIs have less investment and a higher cost of capital with the hope that that in turn improving their contributions and, and becoming majority contributors as the leading companies are. Right. And, and have you found the take up by kind of fellow asset owner groups? I mean, it sounds like I mean, that's a pretty decent global footprint there in terms of those large investors that you mentioned 
that were kind of the pillars of the group. But how have you found generally Takeoff? Takeoff's great. And in, in fact, the other nice thing is I mentioned the asset owners that, that are able to subscribe to it via Contigo. But frankly, you know, asset managers are able to as well. Certainly, I would say Ceteris Paribus, if there are two man- managers who are, you know, exactly comparable and, and one who's, you know, using our SDI AOP, I think it's probably hard to see a reason why that manager wouldn't be better than the other. So because, you know, we think they're adopting what's what's likely to be one of the best standards in the world in terms of embracing and investing in companies that are actually contributing to the SDIs. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that, Mike. George, uh, turning to you, so from an investment manager's perspective, <laughs> you know I was going to get to this question. So what's the commercial opportunity set for asset managers if they do this successfully? Yeah, I think one uh, thing to think about in the uh, evolution that I talked about previously, it's a very complicated set of equations to deal with now when, when you're thinking about managing a portfolio, right? So previously, it was really a one-dimensional thing. You know, here's my money and here's the benchmark and you, you need to beat this benchmark, right? Whether you're a quant or a fundamental analyst, that's you know we're on the same kind of level playing field. Now it's a two, three, or multi-dimensional thing, right? You beat the benchmark, but I have all these other constraints you need to deal with as well. You know, without quant tools, it's a very difficult thing for the human brain to all figure in one big equation, right? Or how did your ESG factors contribute versus the the more kind of financial-based metrics? So I think that's where a quant strategy and platform comes in very handy, not just because we can, you know, we, we have the ability to rank all the stocks in the universe and on ESG metrics and non-ESG metrics. We can also systematically put in place all the the constraints and get the 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 you know that's what quants are you know, do, do well, build kind of optimal portfolios. And then after the fact, you know, sit down with the client and, and so they can understand this much came from alpha and these are the constraints you want. We, we decided in the portfolio, but, you know, and it, they, maybe they contributed or detracted, but at least we can break it out into the different pieces and be very transparent about, you know, what we're doing and how it's impacting the, the portfolio. Right. Yes. So it's that sort of dual prong of solutions, being a solution provider to your clients, as well as then providing transparency in a way that they probably haven't had previously to be able to attribute where do these where does return go the return profile. Okay, Amir, over to you in terms of I know a lot of this we've been talking about is underpinned by a lot of technical natural language processing with a lot of kind of mathematics be- behind it. But but what are the challenges to our listening audience? Of course, if we had a whiteboard and they could see it, maybe you could do it a little more clearly. But, but what are the challenges uh, to using NLP in this in this context? Yeah, thanks, Kumar. Um, as mentioned, it's not a trivial problem to solve in, given the unstructured nature, nature of, of the data. But um, I guess... Uh, advances in natural language processing techniques kind of help us but but there's still some limitations to to what we can do and what we have done in in this paper and what still can be done in extension to this so so to measure how much that contribution is so in terms of is it a positive contribution and where are the negative aspects so so it's it's all about currently just to find out 
whether companies are aligned with certain set of SDGs, but not by how much and where negative contribution as well lies or the negative impact. And that gets us to the second problem, of course, is that this measurement relies on the disclosure by the companies. So hence relies on the truthfulness or the truthful nature of the disclosure. Now, we're not measuring sentiment, so there's no um, kind of bias in terms of the sentiment, but still we're measuring what the companies themselves mention in their sustainability reports in terms of what they're doing. And and we rely that this is, um, of course, uh, truthful. Right. So it becomes self-fulfilling, hopefully, with companies looking at this, understanding this happens, that actually their statements, their forward-looking statements become uh, kind of more more aligned with what they're actually wanting to do. So, th- so this becomes more accurate, hopefully, over time. Okay, well, look, why don't we, in, in closing, talk about where we kind of go from here? And uh, Amir, why don't we sort of start with you? How would you like to see allocators and managers work with academia to progress this? I think uh, that's a great question. I think what we've already seen, and I'm very grateful to to Michael and and George for collaborating with us on this. And in there are certain questions that are of importance to asset allocators as well as asset managers that we in academia can help solve, which also serve a wider purpose in and allow essentially a more wider application throughout uh, the industry. And and we can do this with the help of resources from the industry and in terms of the, the technical resources behind, behind what we do. Right. Thank you. George, how about you? Where do we go from here? Yeah, I think this is a, a great piece of the puzzle in this emerging area of ESG. I think we're in the early stages of, of this emerging field. You know, another thing that I think we need to look at and solidify more as an industry is the kind of alpha part as well, which is what a lot of our work goes into. And I think, you know, our philosophy on that is there really is a huge opportunity to add alpha in the in the ESG part as well, right? We look at it a little differently, right? For example, the social and the social aspect, we're trying to find companies that are position strongly, have the right culture, encourage employees to be more productive, invest in their employees, you know, things like that. Right. No, thank you for that, George. And Mike, turning to you, pick up some of the thoughts that George mentioned. What are your kind of final thoughts on this? Well, two thoughts. For the uh, SDI AOP, one one thing we're looking at going forward is improving it and, and looking at things like patents and, for example, and and maybe companies that haven't generated revenues yet, but but are well positioned to so aside from companies that, that may be contributing now, looking to you know, future developments as well. So that, that's one way we're looking to improve the uh, SDI AOP. And then aside, what we've done is we've launched the iStocks APG World Responsible Investment Indices. And basically what they are, 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 we've done this with Contigo and BlackRock. And there are five indices built using, using our databases. And they include the um, SDI Asset Owner Platform. And there are different permutations based on what investors are trying to achieve. So it's sort of it, they effectively go from ESG light, let's say, to ESG heavy. And so, for example, they have exclusion in them, low carbon, ESG leaders, other UNSDIs. Right. Yes. No, listeners absolutely should. I mean, this sounds all very exciting because we seem to be right at the beginning of the opportunity set here in terms of being more 
prescriptive and scientific about this. And as you say, with the ultimate goal of encouraging capital to move in the right, in, into the right places. We're up at time now. And I think clearly we could have carried on our discussion uh, of the issues for much longer. Good luck with the ongoing research. And we hope to track how this evolves in the industry. And perhaps we get, uh, get this group back to market on, on how things are going. But uh, our thanks to Amir, George and Mike for their uh, insights. Thank you for listening. And until the next time, thank you. This podcast is intended for institutional clients only and the views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of JP Morgan Chase and & Company and its affiliates together JP Morgan and do not constitute research or recommendation, advice or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any security or financial instrument. Reference products and services in this podcast may not be suitable for you and may not be available in all jurisdictions. JP Morgan may make markets and trade as principal in securities and other asset classes and financial products that may have been discussed. For additional disclaimers and regulatory disclosures, please visit www.jpmorgan.com forward slash disclosures. Thank you.